Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. And on today's episode, we're going over the top waiver wire ads heading into Week 10, recapping all the latest injury news, including a couple players who likely came back too soon and are now right back on the shelf. Terrible to see it. And we're going to go over some of the players who are poised for late season breakouts. But before we get to that, just a couple quick reminders. The best way to get the podcast is to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you normally use. You can also give us a rating and review on there. And for all my fantasy content, you can find it on the Score app and by following me on Twitter at Justin Boone. All right, let's get to it. Late season breakout candidates. So everyone always writes up the breakout candidates before the year starts, myself included. But at this point in the year, so much has changed. I mean, many of those breakout guys that we predicted before the year, they've already made their mark. Now we need to reassess as we're heading into the stretch run here. That's why I want to go over a few players who haven't broke out yet, but I think are about to in the coming weeks. And let's start with a guy who is in the process of his breakout. I think we could probably already say that. It's Devin Singletary of the Bills. When he was coming back from his hamstring injury, he missed about a month there. I talked about how in week one, when he was healthy, he was on the field for almost 70% of the Bills' snaps, much more than Frank Gore. And then in week two, that number went down because he left the game early. But remember, they got rid of LaShawn McCoy for a reason here. So then Singletary gets hurt. Snap count goes down in week two. He's out for a month. Comes back in his first game back. It was up against the Dolphins. The Bills were like 17-point favorites in that game. They didn't need to give him a huge workload, so he split time with Frank Gore. But since then, Singletary's played in over 66% of the snaps. He delivered 49 yards and a touchdown two weeks ago, then had his first real blow-up game this past Sunday, 140 yards from scrimmage and a score. And he still has a couple easy matchups on deck here. He's got the Browns and the Dolphins the next two weeks. But the great thing about Singletary, in my mind, is he's also their receiving back. So if the Bills get down in games, he's still going to be involved. He's got receiving lines of 5 for 28, 4 for 30 and 1, and 3 for 45 already this year. And he's only played in five games this season. So I like Singletary as a borderline, low-end RB2 the rest of the way. David Montgomery, another rookie back here who we've seen a little more from him. He's been healthy. He's been playing. He's getting a decent amount of volume here for the Bears. But I think in the second half of the year, we're going to see him put up bigger numbers. The Bears offense has been an absolute disaster. And Mitch Trubisky is regressing. If you don't want to invest in the Chicago attack, I get it. But here's why I like Montgomery. It's the volume, like I said. It's also his schedule. He's got at least 16 touches in five of his last seven games. Had a monster 31-touch game in Week 8. Turned that into 147 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. Then his yardage came back down to earth against the Eagles, but the Eagles have a great run defense. So he still scored two touchdowns in that game. He saved his fantasy day, and that's one of the great things about him, right? He has it all. He has the volume. He has usage in the passing game. He has touchdown upside. And then you look at his upcoming schedule, the Lions, the Rams, the Giants, the Lions again, the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Chiefs. That's seven straight games against teams that are in the top half of the league in most fantasy points allowed to running backs. So Montgomery is also in the RB2 mix for the remainder of the year. I think we're going to see good things from him. Darius Geis, a lot of people have asked me about him, and I will say right off the bat, he is not one of the names I'm putting on this list. I just can't do it. I wanted to bring him up, though, just because so many people have been asking me. They're on by this week, but... 
Bill Callahan said he thinks that Geis is going to be back in week 11, and everyone is just hoping that Geis can get back to full health, that he can contribute the way that we thought he was going to, even going back to his rookie season last year before he got hurt. And it's definitely possible that he breaks out. I mean, the Redskins want him to, but with the direction this offense is going, I mean, the schedule is decent for them, but I expect he's going to be splitting with Adrian Peterson. I think the thing for Geis in my mind is he just needs to prove that he can stay healthy. If he could stay healthy down the stretch here, even if he doesn't put up huge stats, that puts him in a great position and we can look at him in fantasy for 2020. A couple of receivers I want to talk about here. Christian Kirk of the Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald's just been fading away as the season's gone on. And really it's Kirk who's emerged as the top wideout in Arizona. And part of the reason that people aren't as excited as they should be about him is because he was hurt. He missed some time here. And think back, even in his rookie year, he was having a solid rookie season before he got hurt. Comes back this year, was a fringe wide receiver too uh, before he suffered the injury. But on average this season, Kirk is tied for eighth in targets per game. And in a similar fashion to what happened with Montgomery recently, Kirk had a big game against the Saints with eight catches, 79 yards. He also had one run for 19 yards. And then he had a down week in a bad matchup. He was going up against the 49ers, and that's kind of to be expected. I mean, the 49ers are top two defense in the league right now. But one of the great things about Kirk is he's guarded against facing a lot of the toughest corner matchups because he plays over 72% of his snaps out of the slot. So fire up Kirk as a top 30 fantasy wideout for the rest of the season. Also want to mention Marquise Brown. Do not sleep on Marquise Brown of the Ravens. Got off to that incredibly hot start, over 200 total yards in his first two games. Then he missed a few weeks with injury. A lot of these guys here I'm talking about are guys who maybe would have already broken out if it weren't for some of these injuries they had. Then he comes back to the worst possible matchup, has to go up against the Patriots, but he still managed 48 yards in that one. He looked pretty good. Only saw four targets in the game, played around 57% of the snaps, I believe. But prior to the injury, he was playing like 70, 80% of the snaps. So Easier days are coming for him, and now that he's back in the field, that chemistry can develop with Lamar Jackson, can continue to grow. I expect a nice second half of the year for Brown if he can stay healthy. Last guy I want to mention, Noah Fant. I don't want to step on the toes of the waiver wire section because we're going to talk about Fant in that section as well in a little bit, but I want to give you a tight end who could be a low-end tight end one the rest of the season. I know that A lot of people are looking for tight end help. If you don't own one of the top seven or eight guys, it's kind of in flux every week for you. But since the Emmanuel Sanders trade, Fant has really been the one who's emerged as the de facto number two pass catcher in that Broncos offense behind Cortland Sutton. And he's actually tied with Sutton for the team lead over the last two games with 25% of the target share in that offense. So now he's on his bye week. So you might be able to get him for cheap on your waiver wire. He's only owned in about 12% of leagues, but before the bye had 115 yards and a touchdown. You're not going to get that every game, but it's a great sign of things to come for him. All right, moving on. I want to recap some of the notable injuries real quick here, and then we'll get to waiver wire. And because this is coming out on Tuesday, normally it comes out on Monday, but we're doing this Tuesday morning. We have a little bit more information on some of these injury situations. Obviously, a lot of the players go for their MRIs, get further testing on Monday, and then that starts to trickle out Monday night and into Tuesday morning. We'll start off with Jacoby Brissett, suffered a strained MCL in week nine. Colts aren't ruling him out for their week 10 game yet, but... 
it would be surprising to me if he was on the field against the Dolphins. Even backup Brian Hoyer, he could put up points against the Dolphins. They don't need to risk Brissett in this one. So I would expect a big game from the rushing attack, Marlon Mack. And remember, this is a backup-to-backup situation. This isn't like a team losing Aaron Rodgers and having to go to their backup, right? Or maybe if you want to say losing Andrew Luck and having to go to their backup, even though Brissett's played pretty well this season. This is a situation where losing Brissett, going to Hoyer, in a good matchup, I'm not going to drop some of the receiving assets as much in my fantasy rankings this week for the Colts because I still think they're going to be able to put up numbers on the Dolphins there. Adam Thielen barely played before leaving for the day. I'm just not sure why these guys get rushed back. I know that they want to play. I know they want to help their teams, but especially with soft tissue injuries, you got to make sure that they're recovered. You don't want to see them re-aggravate them, which is what's happened with Thielen here. Mike Zimmer's quote was something like, whenever he's ready, he'll play. Whenever he's ready, he's ready. I'm not sure that really helps us decipher anything here, but... I'm thinking Thielen's going to be sidelined at least this week, maybe a couple weeks. Maybe they'll be smart this time and actually let him recover. If he's out, that locks Stefan Diggs into wide receiver one range. It gives BC Johnson some flex appeal and good matchups. It's also really helped the tight ends in Minnesota put up some better numbers. We've seen Kyle Rudolph with two touchdowns in his last three games. But overall, this is terrible news because Thielen, when he's healthy, is a wide receiver one. He's one of the top 12 wide receivers in fantasy, and we're not going to see him for at least a week or two, I'm guessing here. Deshaun Jackson also now going to be out maybe for the rest of the season. We saw him come back, re-aggravate that abdomen injury, and this is really bad news because there were so many reports that Djax wasn't even going to be at full health, even if he came back. Now he's going to have to undergo this core muscle surgery. Is out at least four to six weeks. I think it could be the season for him. Definitely don't expect him back during the fantasy season, so you can go ahead and drop him there. We're just left to wonder what could have happened if he had stayed healthy. He had that eight-catch, 154-yard, two-touchdown game in week one, and then he got hurt. Hopefully, Djax can recover from this one and get back because he definitely still has something left in the tank there. Preston Williams also done for the year here. He's going on IR, torn ACL, was just having a great day before getting carted off. And really was one of the lone bright spots in this offense and what's been a very, very dark year for the Dolphins. Devontae Parker, the only receiver now that I'm looking at. Maybe you can you want to go deep and take a look at Albert Wilson, take a look at some of those guys, Alan Hearns. I'm not that interested. If they pop up, they're not going to be consistent. Parker has been, but we're going to talk more about him when we get to the waiver wire section. A couple other ones I want to touch on, just some banged up tight ends. Remember back on Thursday, George Kittle had a bone bruise. He played through it. Get some extra time to recover. He's going from the Thursday nighter in week nine to the Monday nighter in week 10. I expect him to be out there unless we hear otherwise. Cam Brait was limited with a rib injury. Didn't play a full complement of snaps in that one. Going to need to monitor his practice participation. But OJ Howard could be back this week, and it's a great matchup against the Cardinals. I don't want to get everybody excited. Maybe this could be the week that Howard delivers for fantasy owners, but he is incredibly hard to trust. And at this point, I'm sure you have a better option to go with. But if Brait's out, it would increase Howard's odds of producing. And Ricky Seals-Jones could be a bad knee injury. I haven't seen an update on this one yet, but if he's out, Demetrius Harris won't be worth consideration as anything other than a super deep touchdown-dependent dart throw there. 
Moving on to the waiver wire, six teams on bye this week, the Broncos, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Patriots, the Eagles, and the Redskins. As always, you can see the full waiver wire column. I name around 50, 60 players who could be options for you. It just depends on the size of your league. That's up at the score already. Let's go over some of the top targets, though. Jimmy Garoppolo, around 60% owned. He would be the top streamer this week. But like I said, Garoppolo owned in most leagues. So let's look at some guys who are available in your league, likely. Daniel Jones had that tough Monday night matchup with the Cowboys. That's never an easy one. Now he gets to square off with a disintegrating Jets squad. I mean, they just lost to the Dolphins. How much worse could it get there? But the Jets have allowed six passing touchdowns over their last two games. And that's going up against Gardner Minshew and Ryan Fitzpatrick in those. Jones had the career day. Before he faced the Cowboys, had that career day, 322 yards and four touchdowns on the Lions. That was his last easy matchup. This should be another one for him. It's a thin week for streamer quarterbacks, and I like Jones as one of the better options out there. Ryan Tannehill's also worth consideration. I mean, since he took over as starter, it's been three games now. Tannehill's posted the fifth most fantasy points among quarterbacks. The bottom could fall out on this at any moment. We know this is Tannehill. He could go out and have a a Jameis Winston-like game where he has five or six turnovers. That's always possible. But he gets a Chiefs defense that's just been shredded at home. And normally, normally their defense is stronger at home. But the last two Sundays, they've allowed top 10 fantasy quarterback finishes in each contest. Tannehill's current streak, the weapons that they have there, you don't ever feel confident in that Titans offense. But Tannehill's someone that you could slide in there. And with six teams on by, you might not have a better option. At running back, Ronald Jones has made this list many times this year. But he's back, and for good reason now. Bruce Arians has finally come out and anointed him as the starter. Arians' quote was, he's been more explosive, he's been more consistent. Really tried to say that it's not that Peyton Barber did anything wrong. But we know Peyton Barber is just a pedestrian talent here. He's going to get what's blocked, not much more. Jones has been pretty explosive. He has given them a little bit more, and he has to be the guy that's getting the most touches. They gave him 20 touches in the last game, turned it into 82 yards and a score. He's got another plus matchup on deck here with the Cardinals. I'm going to have him ranked in my top 30 this week. Darius Geis, who I talked about earlier, even though I'm not overly excited about him having a breakout the rest of the season, he does need to be owned in more than 32% of leagues, and I mentioned his upcoming schedule is pretty good. Jets, Lions, Panthers, Packers, so you can consider him a high-risk RB3, but he does have RB2 upside if his body can hold up and if they're going to give him more work and push Peterson to the bench. Kalen Balaj is someone that I had to put in the waiver wire column this week. I definitely did not want to, but with Mark Walton getting suspended, with Kenyon Drake traded away, Kalen Balaj is going to be the guy who gets the most opportunity in that Dolphins backfield now. I mean, all you need to know about Kalen Balaj is that clip earlier in the season where he ran out for a short pass, quarterback threw it to him, and he ducked. Instead of trying to catch the ball, he clearly thought that there was a player behind him that was going to catch it. It was very bizarre. There was no one in his range. That's all you really need to know. Aside from one long highlight run that he had last year, Balazs has done nothing as a pro. So if you want to go out and grab him just because you think he's going to get some volume there, you can. I wouldn't be that excited about putting him in my lineup. 
you want to go a little deeper, maybe they'll give some opportunity to Miles Gaskin or Patrick Laird, but really this Dolphins backfield is a stay away from me now. Now, Bilal Powell is someone who's interesting just because the Jets sent Le'Veon Bell for an MRI on his knee on Monday. And we saw this happen earlier in the year with his shoulder. Bell got an MRI early in the week. He ended up being fine. There was no issue there. He didn't miss any time. But this time around, you have Bell getting banged up in that game. You have Ty Montgomery, the backup, getting banged up in that game. And Powell's played more than Montgomery the last two weeks. He's gotten more touches than him in each of those games. They also signed Josh Adams from the practice squad. So that makes you think that either Bell or Montgomery or maybe both are going to miss some time here. So if we don't hear more about this, I know the, the latest was Adam Schefter had said that his source said that Bell was good. That was all that he gave us. Um, I think that you're going to want to go out and grab Powell. Just throw him on your bench. You could probably get him pretty cheap. You don't have to put in a huge bid for him. I put down $5. That's probably too much. But if you want to get him, you throw him on your bench, and we see how this turns out. If Bell's banged up right now, you never know. He could come out, even if he is healthy for this game, could come out and you know make that injury worse. So somebody you can go out, get, throw on your bench, and see what happens here as well. And then outside of that at running backs, you're just really looking at filling your bench with some of those high upside backups, guys like Alexander Madison, Kareem Hunt's coming back this week. Tony Pollard, Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown. Once he's healthy, he'll be involved. Rashad Penny. You want to get as many of those guys on your bench at this point in the season as you can. I've talked about that the last few weeks, but there's a much longer list of them in the actual column as well you could take a look at. At receiver, Devontae Parker. We already talked about him a little bit earlier, but Parker, he's been quietly putting up pretty good fantasy numbers. He's found the end zone in four of his last five games, has at least 50 yards in six of his eight appearances this year, with the Dolphins playing from behind, with Ryan Fitzpatrick being in there. He's willing to chuck that ball a little bit more. He's definitely not scared. And now Parker's really the only show in town could be a wide receiver three the rest of the season. Zach Pascal with the Colts. He's flashed a high ceiling, but he's also shown us that he has a pretty low floor this year. He has 70 receiving yards or a touchdown in four of his last six games. But then the other two games, he has less than 10 yards in those ones. So not what you want to see. But T.Y. Hilton's out for a month here. Now Paris Campbell's joining him on the sidelines. He's got a fractured hand. So even though Devin Funches is going to be back soon, Chester Rogers is involved, Pascal is going to be the number one option in that passing game, and he's got the date with the Dolphins next week, so don't be afraid to use him in your starting lineup as a wide receiver three flex type option. A.J. Brown, you really don't want to have to trust in that Tennessee passing game, but this week you could go to them, whether it's Tannehill at quarterback whether it's Brown or even his teammate Davis, but Brown's been the more explosive of the two. Brown has stat lines of six for 64, two for 11 and one, four for 81 since Tannehill has taken over. Corey Davis is actually seeing more targets, but his spiked weeks, they're just not as many of them. He only really has two good games this season. So Brown's the guy that I would much rather own there. I think he has the higher upside week to week. And then Josh Reynolds, Somehow Josh Reynolds is still only 1% owned. I think that's going to change after this week. I think it's just because he was on bye. But Brandon Cooks, 
Another concussion, his second this year, has had four or five, maybe more in his career. I think it's been four or five that have been documented, and it looks like it's going to take him a little bit of time here to get back. They're saying it's not going to be a long-term recovery, but we don't really know what that means. Does that just mean he's not going to be out the rest of the season? I think he's going to miss this week, maybe a couple weeks, and when he's gone, Reynolds steps in to the three wide sets there, and he has nice touchdown upside. He's got a pretty good ceiling just thanks to those touchdowns that he can put up. We've seen him do that, so consider him a wide receiver four with a lot of upside there. And then for tight ends, I went a lot deeper with tight end this week because there were a ton of options. There were a couple of guys, and Fant was one of them. I talked about him earlier. Also, Dallas Goddard. Those two are on bye this week, so people might not be looking at them, but Each of them has a chance to be a low-end tight end one the rest of the way here. I mean, even though Ertz is the better tight end on the Eagles, just had a big game there, we've seen Goddard continue to produce here. Now Deshaun Jackson going to be back on the sidelines. That means this Philly offense is going to be forced to rely on more two tight end sets. Goddard has top five upside too if Ertz ever went out. And right now, I think he's going to sneak into my rank. He's going to be a top 15 option for sure. Maybe even a top 12 guy some weeks. If you're looking for tight end streamers this week, guys who are playing in week 10, Chris Hernan continues to remain in this list. Everything we've said about him continues to be true. Very skilled player, can be a top 10 fantasy tight end, but we need to see him on the field. We need to see him playing. And with this Jets offense kind of declining, they had that really good game against the Cowboys. And then the last two weeks, it's been rough. You're starting to bring the ceiling down for that entire offense. But Herndon is definitely worth a speculative add, and he could potentially turn into a guaranteed starter the rest of the way. And Mike Gusecki on the Dolphins is another option you could take a look at here, kind of like I talked about with Fant, where he turned into the de facto number two pass-catching option downfield. Kind of seeing the same with Gusecki here. If if Preston Williams is going to be out, I don't have a ton of confidence in any of those receivers stepping up and being consistent. And we're seeing Mike Gusecki put up some decent numbers. He had back-to-back solid outings in week six, week seven. He's coming off his best game as a pro. He had six receptions, 95 yards in week nine. The Colts, who are his opponent this week, one of the league's worst defenses when it comes to defending his position. They've allowed 50 yards and or a touchdown to six different tight ends this year. Gusecki is poised to become the seventh this week. And I think he's going to be a viable streamer in week 10, maybe even a player you could use in some other good matchups the rest of the season. And that is all for today's show. For the full breakdown of the week 10 waiver wire options, you can head over to the score and make sure you're subscribed to the alerts from the NFL fantasy news section on the score app and follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone. Big thanks to Amari Cooper for saving me in a couple matchups on Monday night. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave-